What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular unique saint, God, our Heavenly Father, desires for you and me, for all of us to become. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, relationship advice, and the list goes on. I will then spend time with your questions, pray with them, uh, study them, and have conversations with other friends about them, and then hopefully respond to those questions to you um, with with, uh, advice that will help you to become a saint. But my disclaimer is this, I'm not perfect, um, and therefore my advice that I give to you might not actually be good for you. If that's the case, then I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to become a saint. But if my advice is helpful, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer and the sacraments and the scriptures and the community so that our God can give you the graces that you might need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you are a first time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at askfatherjosh at assistionpress.com. You can rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. And you can also share us on your social media pages. This can help other people find out about the show. If my show is a gift for you, potentially it could be a gift for other people as well. I'm super excited uh, because today we have a guest on the show. I always enjoy whenever I get to have a conversation. And today we're going to be talking to a brother in Christ, Hudson Biblo. What's up, uh, Hudson? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So Hudson, uh, uh, I'm super excited that you're on the show today because uh, today we're going to be talking about a topic that's very important to many of our listeners. I think um, some of the top questions that I get on the podcast are about same-sex attraction. Um, and you are a, a member of the body of Christ who experiences same-sex attraction. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ and you're a faithful Catholic. And so I think that you have a powerful voice um, that's that's necessary. And I just pray that um, people will be able to receive the gift that you can offer. One of the things that I, I struggle with sometimes whenever I go to conferences or um, are listening to talks is whenever um, they are. I know there are so many faithful disciples of Jesus Christ who experience same-sex attraction, who have the gift of of communicating the gospel really well, that I know they should be speaking at many of the conferences that we go to. And instead, sometimes we have other members of the body of Christ talk about people who experience same-sex attraction. And I'm like, why don't we just ask someone, like make room for someone to speak at this conference or to sit at the decision-making table who actually experiences it and is living out chase celibacy, who can, who can share with us the joy that they experience. So I for one, I, I'm super excited that you're on the show with us today. Uh, that that's awesome. I'm, I'm I think I'm equally excited. Uh, you know, <laughs> same thing. So yeah. on today's show, we're gonna address three questions together. You and I, um, dealing with same-sex attraction, uh, specifically about um, why can't uh, why does the church teach that um, people should not engage um, in in the sexual act together if you're of the same sex? We're gonna address pornography, um, and we're also gonna address. I just like what kind of tools and resources and advice would we give someone who is experiencing same-sex attraction, who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, and who wants to and desires to live out um, chastity um, and holy friendships. But before we get into those really good questions, um, I want to share with you a glory story, and I would love to hear from you a glory story as well.
So uh, I'll go first. My glory story uh, that I'm I'm super excited about. Uh, actually, I have two. I, I'll give you two. One is I get to go on a silent retreat next week, and I just I I can't wait for that. I cannot wait to to, to be away with Jesus in the scriptures, get my journal, spend time with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, detached from my phone and the internet and noise. Um, and all the good things that the Lord has allowed me to participate in, I just, I just need to get away with the love of my life. And so I'm going to be able to be alone with Jesus one-on-one. And that is probably the most exciting thing that's going to be happening. But another cool glory story that happened about two weeks ago is I got to spend time with another disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, and we were able to have a dialogue with each other, uh, about some pretty difficult, um, difficult topics that we both felt very strongly about. And it was just beautiful because we were coming at the same topic from two different perspectives. But I was so grateful for, number one, that this guy reached out to me. Because uh, I think sometimes in our culture, if someone has an issue with something someone says, they just talk behind your back and talk about you. Um, and they never reach out to you. Well, he reached out to me and we were able to sit together, pray with each other, listen to each other, share hearts with each other. And it was one of the most beautiful, fruitful dialogues between myself and another disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'm so super grateful for that because um, it was, uh, yeah, it was just a gift to be able to, to, to hear his heart and then also to share my heart as well. And so those are my two glorious stories. Hudson, what about you? Those are awesome. Um, my, I think my glorious story is kind of like one of yours. Uh, I actually had the chance to spend some time like in front of the Blessed Sacrament, like reposed in the tabernacle, mind you, but still in the church with the lights off for a, a long, long time, uh, you know, like outside of the normal hours and just got to be, you know, like outside of the busy of the world and just got to be. And I, I just love it when, when uh, to, to be able to do that with, with the lights down and the daylight just fading, fading out. It's just, I just love that. It was so special. What so a that's gift. My- what a gift that the Lord drew you to himself to just be with him one-on-one. Because really, that's where true happiness is found, is, is with, with Jesus. And so what a gift that he, he drew you. Were you able to be by yourself in the church, or were there a lot of people? No, all by myself. It was beautiful. So All by myself. <laughs> I want to be. So when you're by yourself, don't lie. Like, all right, this is an honest podcast. So when you're by yourself with Jesus, be Hudson, keep it real. Do you sing to the Lord? Well, of course, actually, I really do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. What? What? I mean, do you want to let us hear some of what you sing to the Lord? <laughs> uh, well, I have to have the chant in front of me, but sometimes I love to sing the the, the prayer to our Blessed Mother, like Ave Maria, gratia plena, and so on. That is so beautiful. Oh man. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I uh, that's one of my favorite things to do is like, if I'm in the chapel by myself, it just, it gets crazy sometimes. So I, I'm either like kneeling down or lying down prostrate, uh, sitting down or whatever, but, um, and definitely singing songs. And there's been some times where I've, I've been singing in the church by myself, like an empty church. So for instance, when I was a deacon, a transitional deacon, I had a key to the church. So I would go in there at night, uh, and I would sit before the tabernacle. And because I'm in love with the Lord uh, every now and then, you know, when you're in love with somebody, you sing, right? That's like, that's how you know. I mean, that's not how you know somebody's in love, but that could be a sign uh, that you have a lot of affection. And so I would be in the in the church and and yet sometimes I might be singing some chant or some gospel or some praise or whatever. But sometimes I would just straight up sing uh, like some Luther Vandross to Jesus, like here and now. Uh, and, uh, and one time I was singing in the church, like, I mean, I was just like me and the Lord alone face to face. 
and the pastor walked in and I didn't hear him walk in and he walked up on me as I was singing. And it was one of the most embarrassing moments um, of my ordained life because I was getting into it. So anyways, <laughs> grateful, grateful you got to have that experience with the Lord. So without further ado, I think we should go ahead and jump into today's topics. So before we get into today's topics for today's show, um, can you just share with us, Hudson, a little bit about your background? Can you tell us a little bit about your story? I know, I think on Thursday this week, we're going to do Ascension release um, a full audio testimony from you um, that will be available at Ascension. Uh, but can you just share with us a little bit of your heart and your background? Uh, sure. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I grew up in a Catholic family, uh, went to church every Sunday, have an awesome mom and dad. Um, but uh, in my growing up, I know that uh, experienced same-sex attractions and what today would be called transgender inclinations as well. And then uh, uh, entered full into uh, the realm of using pornography and trying to figure out where I belonged and then having my expectations of all of that stuff being impacted by the things I was consuming, like the pornography and then, of course, the mainstream uh, media perspectives about what it meant to be gay and, and, and trans uh, that conversation even before that was kind of part of the lingo. Um, and just really my story was a lot of me trying to find out where I belonged. You know, I, I struggled with some peer rejection and, uh, and wondering like, maybe I belong with the boys as a boyfriend and not with the boys as one of the boys, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, lots of uh, uh, years uh, lost in the, in the pornography use. And, but, but through, re-encountering God through a, a bunch of amazing people who re re revealed like a beautiful, attractive piece. Um, I needed that piece. I wanted that piece so badly. And I was like, well, what are these guys doing? And I found out that they were really striving to love Jesus. And I mean, growing up Catholic, I went and did Catholic looking things, but I didn't know Jesus in my heart, but yeah. these guys lifted things up in a whole new level. And so, you know, in my mid twenties, I encountered these guys and I was like, Oh my goodness. I, I need this. And so that, that kind of drew me to want to um, come to understand myself better through the lens of God, which also eventually led to the, to understanding uh, chastity and understanding sexuality as a gift instead of just a commodity. And um, I realized that I could find an experience so much greater joy. If I gave that important gift of chastity, if I, if I, if I gave the gift, sorry, if I gave the gift of my sexuality to the Lord that I'd experience greater joy and, and I took a leap of faith and tried that. And, and, and that is when I did experience the greatest joy. So I haven't really looked back. I'm striving to pursue chastity all the time. I'm not always successful, yeah. um, but I, the, the, the victory is in turning back to Christ over and over and over again. And that's, and then we get strengthened in that. And that's, that's where I'm today. So <laughs> yeah. beautiful. I mean, it's an ongoing relationship, right? And so um, you are a faithful Catholic. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, and into this day, you, I presume you still experience same-sex attraction, right? Well, like the question would be like, for me is, do I still experience lust? Cause I found out mm. through retrospect that a lot of the same sex sexual attraction was connected to lust, believe mm. it or not. So as I was able to address lust, I noticed looking back, I'm like, wait a second. I haven't experienced same sex sexual attractions as much. They've diminished. Right. And then the same sex romantic attractions 
those also actually began to diminish after That's I had awesome. began to get, gain confidence in myself as a man, which largely had to do with being being successful in growing in chastity and self-control because I didn't have much self-control growing up, uh, and, and especially in terms of managing myself and my impulses. Um, so as I gained that self, uh, the self-control, I gained confidence, and then uh, I was less afraid to present myself in the realm of uh, other people, right? And pornography, too, mm-hmm. is isolating. So I had to I was, I was under the shame of pornography I had to break through that. And that confidence helped me break in, break out of that. And then I was able to develop healthier friendships. And mm. through that, I found out that I wasn't like looking back again. I was like, wait a second. I don't feel like I'm pawing at other, the, the idea of other being with other men so that I could fulfill something that's missing inside myself. And in that sense, the romantic draw to other men also diminished. So, uh, I mean, it's part of my story and that's, yeah. that's true. And, yeah. Um, when, if I can ask you, and I know we're going to hear your story later this week, whenever, when did you first experience, um, like the, the same sex attraction? And also you mentioned transgender. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you so, share with a little? Sure. So some of my earliest memories, I remember desiring to be a girl and, 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 and to imagine myself in that role of being a girl. Now, of course, Remember, that would have been according to my expectations of what girl meant or mm. the things that I associated with girl. There's some factors that made me kind of feel that I was un, uh, would be unsuccessful as a boy. And so the idea of being a girl, I can see now very clearly, was a lot of time was connected to me escaping from the feeling of being unsuccessful or unvalued or feeling like I didn't have any work. I figured that uh, I could see now clearly that I was just a boy trying to find out that he had some value. And of course I did get that value and affirmation from my parents, but this was different. I'm talking about pure, pure acceptance and pure value. And I didn't perceive that I had that as Mm -hmm. a boy. I felt uh, like I was always coming short and missing the mark and not being good at boy things. So I I don't know any kid that wants to stick around where they feel like they could never be successful. Right. And so I, I see now that I naturally gravitated towards the girl things, but I was really happy in doing that because it alleviated the anxiety of feeling like I wasn't good enough, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm just glad that that was then and not these days where today someone might have jumped on that and, and formed and fashioned me into the trans, a transgender style mindset. Um, and so I didn't have that formation to make, to, to form me to, to buy into that mindset. And I'm really grateful for that. Man, I, I cannot wait to, to hear your whole testimony this week. So I, for one, will be, will be tuning in. And also, um, some of our, our listeners might already be familiar with you because years ago, both you and I were a part of the, the You, uh, Life, Love, and Theology of the Body uh, program that Ascension put out a number of years ago. Uh, to this day, uh, that is one of my favorite Ascension uh, programs. I think it's just, it's real, it's authentic. Uh, and so if you haven't checked out you, Y-O-U, Life, Love, and Theology of the Body, uh, you might want to get that, especially for your high school students. Um, but it's super, it's just, uh, it's great. It's, it's one of the one of the best ones we've released over the years. So uh, you can uh, definitely check out Hudson there. But for full life testimony, stay tuned later this week to Ascension for that. So uh, with that being said, let's uh, go ahead and get jump into today's topics. All right. First question comes in from Ryan. Ryan writes this. Hey, Father, I'm a Catholic and I'm also a gay man. 
I feel like I agree with most of the teachings of the church, but this issue is insurmountable for me. I want to fall in love and truly believe that I can have a healthy sexual relationship with a man. Why can't I have this? Also, why does the church insist on using the term same-sex attraction as opposed to gay and homosexual, Ryan? Hudson, you want to tackle this? Uh, I'll give it a shot. Uh, it seems like, like there's, a, there's a lot of stuff to, un, uh, to unpack in this question. And the first things first, that um, I'm really glad that someone would have the courage to ask that type of question and someone who's uh, obviously pursuing a deeper understanding. You know what I mean? Like that is, that is the basics. I love that. Um, one of the first things he says, uh, I'm a Catholic and I'm also a gay man. And I want to acknowledge the reality of someone's attractions that they're experiencing, but this actually comes into play with the language. The question is, we don't, we don't always know what someone means when they say gay. Sometimes people are saying that to just say, look, this is part of the experiences, the attractions I experience is part of my story. Well, other people might say that to say, this is the part of a, I, I subscribe to the the way that the world is presenting this and the set of expectations that I ought to have, right? So uh, anyone who's having a question like this, which is the kind of question that I was thinking about earlier, um, that continued pursuit of looking deeper is a good thing, right? I see he, sees, he says this is an insurmountable topic. I think when I was in that mindset, I felt that way too because I didn't understand uh concepts that were outside of the, the first idea that being gay is who I was and who I forever would be. And I'm not talking about a change of attractions. I'm talking about a, a paradigm shift in terms of, of mindset. How do I see myself? And as soon as I start, as soon as I began to say, wait a second, I, I can say that I experience same-sex attractions, but I'm called to holiness. And if we call, if, if we answer the call to holiness, then what the fruit is that we can more likely enter into holy relationships, which God's calling us into. And if we're entering into holy relationships, then we can enter into holy, uh, the whole, the prob- the possibility for holy romantic relationships is also there, right? So it really kind of lifts the question to, to holiness and what is holiness. And so that was big for me. I had to realize that the church in her teachings wasn't just asking us to just behave according to the rules of the church so that we would, you know, be nice little Catholics. There is something far greater, and that's the call to virtue, to grow in the fullness of virtue. And that's when I realized, well, if, if I love the church and I, if I see the, the, the authority of the church to be more authoritative than the authority of my, my feelings, which were real feelings, um, I will want to honor what the church is asking of me in terms of virtue. And that's where I began to dig into chastity. And I had to first understand it to be different than abstinence and celibacy, because those are super commonly mixed up, right? Chastity is state of the heart, abstinence, normal behavior, what you're doing, what you're not doing, and then celibacy state in life. But the chastity thing, um, once I realized that I have a choice to say yes to chastity, then I realized that it was it was up to me to to uh, enter into the church as opposed to the, the church like blocking the door on me as a gay Catholic. It was about me, regardless of my attractions, saying yes, I want to open my heart to chastity, and then understanding what chastity meant because chastity is like some pie in the sky idea for for me for a long time. I didn't know, and there's a phrase in there that's very important. It's successful integration successful integration of, of our sexuality 
And successful integration is like, well, that that at least at the very least has to do with honoring what God has authored into creation. And God authored me as a man. And so so that means that in the in the realm of what has been sexually uh, authored into what my sexuality is that there's a complementarity with a female, regardless of what attractions I experience. And so I had to keep digging into what chastity meant, understand that it would actually be counter to chastity, be counter to successful integration of my sexuality if I was to go along assuming that a compliment, a sexual or romantic compliment for me would be a person of the same sex. That's not to say that there might be not great friendship or psychological complementarity, you know, because personalities can be complementary. But at the end of the day, what God has authored into creation, which is revealed in our bodies, um, I had to say, I had to make a choice and say, yes, Lord, I want to honor successful integration of my sexuality. Yes, Lord, I want to be open to chastity so that I could be more completely open to virtue and more completely open to holiness and more completely open to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm saying that taking the leap of faith to, to begin to look into chastity, that was a leap of faith because, you know, I couldn't, I didn't know the joy that I had not yet experienced, you know. But it took a beautiful modeling of so many other people who, who were expressing it and living it. And I said, yes, I want to take that leap of faith into, uh, into, into living chastely as best as I can. That's, that's wonderful. And I would also encourage you, Ryan, um, you said, I want to fall in love. Like, share that with Jesus. Uh, there's a method of prayer called um, ARRR, Acknowledge, Relate, Receive, Respond, um, for, for short, call it R, like a pirate, right? Um, but acknowledge, like, okay, I want to fall in love. That's a good desire. That's a good desire to have. Now relate that desire to Jesus Christ. Jesus, I want to fall in love. Redirect that conversation to Christ in prayer, and Jesus will respond to your desire because guess what? Jesus also, he loves you so much, and he wants you to fall in love with him. He wants to, you to reorient that desire to him because he also is so, so in love with, with you, Ryan. And so like, share that with Jesus. And then receive, receive from Jesus. Listen to Jesus Christ speak to you in the sacred scriptures. Listen to Jesus Christ speak to you um, during your time of prayer. If you pray before the Blessed Sacrament, through the recitation of the rosary, um, if you pray with the, the writings of the saints or with the words of the catechism, just listen to Christ speak to you. Receive his, 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 his voice because he will respond to your, to your desire if you relate that to him. And then once you receive from him, uh, then, then respond. And the way you respond will, will bring about so much joy if you respond to the invitation from Christ that he has in store for you, that he's inviting you to embark upon in your walk toward eternity. That's so beautiful. And if I may just add, striving to do exactly that, for me, what it did, it shifted me from this idea that, you know, uh, no, you can't have love because the big bad church says, you, you know, this is something you can't have. It shifted that from me to saying, seeing that, yes, I can have love, first and foremost, through Jesus, who will, if you pursue him into the, in the realm of holy relationships, uh, you can enter the realm of holy relationships that become romantic. Uh, it's, it's not impossible for God to write a holy romantic desire onto the heart of someone who's pursuing, first and foremost, a holy relationship, period. The holy relationship has to come first. And what that did for me was it shifted me from the idea of not ever like you, you'll, you'll, you'll never be, you'll never find that special love that all the straight people get to do. That's how I was thinking at the time. Um, it, it shifted it to be from not ever to not yet. 
And that's where I see myself now. And there's this profound, like way more hope and joy in my heart for tasting that, that vision of self, because it means that just because I have experienced same-sex attractions and transgender inclination, it does not exclude me from holy vocation, whether it uh, might be marriage to the church in some kind of uh, religious order or marriage to an opposite, opposite sex spouse. What would, what would be an impediment to that holy vocation would be an attachment to something that was counter to the fullness of virtue, such as taking on an idea and, and embracing an idea that was uh, counter to successful integration, for example. And I would also just say as well, Hudson, like, um, to, to acknowledge, Ryan, that not everybody is called to a state of life vocation, right? So there, there are state of life vocations to priesthood, to religious life, to marriage. Um, but there are canonized saints like Dr. Giuseppe Muscati, um, who was a single Catholic layman who was not a religious brother. He wasn't a monk. He wasn't a friar. He wasn't a priest and he wasn't married. And he's a canonized saint. So Ryan, your vocation is to become a saint, a canonized saint. And many saints, um, enter into that that end goal of becoming a saint um, through the state of life vocation of priesthood marriage religious life um, consecrated virginity etc um, but but there are also a number of saints canonized saints who never entered into a state of life vocation and so uh, the the lord jesus christ ultimately whether or not he invites you to discern a state of life vocation or not he's inviting you to be a saint and his love for you is sufficient his grace is enough and there's nothing impossible for God. And he desires for you to believe that he is enough for you. And so I would just encourage you to prioritize your time with Jesus in prayer and, and just witness how his grace is operative. Witness how his grace satisfies more than any person could ever satisfy. We weren't created for another person, right? Another person can't ever fulfill the ache that we all have in our hearts. We all have this infinite ache uh, and it cannot be satiated by another, another person because every person is finite. Um, and so there, every person is, is passing. And so the only one who can satiate that, that infinite ache that we have is an infinite God. And so the Lord Jesus Christ invites us to turn those desires to him. And like Hudson said, if God believes that the state of life vocation of sacramental marriage to someone of the opposite sex would be best for you, then he will invite you to discern that. And he'll give you the grace to, to fulfill that. I personally know people, disciples of Jesus Christ today, who experience same-sex attraction but also chose and their spouse knew about their experience of same-sex attraction to get married in the sacrament of matrimony to someone of the opposite sex. Um, and they have been able to fulfill their marital vows of the two becoming one flesh, of making a gift to themselves for the other and of helping the other person to grow in holiness and allowing the other person to help them to grow in their relationship with God and the church as well. Um, and so the, the, the skies are the limit here. Uh, so I just wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't um, limit that. I wouldn't say like the only way I could be really happy is if I, if I can have this, this finite person, um, this finite person like, like that, I, I wouldn't do that. I think that would be unhealthy. Just like for me as a priest, it would be unhealthy for me to say the only way I could be happy is if I get this specific assignment, this, this parish, this church parish. And like, no, like I wasn't created for, for these passing things. I was created for Jesus uh, with or without a parish, with or without ever being a pastor. Um, that's not this. I mean, that, that was a terrible analogy, but it, it'll work for now. <laughs> but anyways, so that was a, a great question, Ryan. Let us know if our words to you were at all helpful at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. All right, next question comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous says this, as a faithful Catholic who struggles with same-sex attraction, do you recommend any books, resources, or other scripture passages that will help me to become more convicted of the church's teaching on same-sex attraction? Also, 
What are some practical ways for me to live out chastity in my daily life and have healthy same-sex friendships? Hudson, take it away. The first thing that I would recommend is is trying to get your hands on orthodox, like little orthodox Catholic books that point to the reality that people like you and me are not alone. Because sometimes it can be very uh, lonely sometimes, especially when we think we're the only ones who experience the same sex attraction or the transgender inclination. What we want to do is realize that if we look at the bigger picture, which is the universal call to chastity, then maybe we will be able to realize that we're, this is what I realized anyway, is that I was locked arms with like thousands of people deep with a common journey towards growing in the virtue of chastity, as opposed to me being all by myself, feeling shameful that, oh, same-sex attractions are part of my story. And I, I'm afraid to kind of like, you know, a share of myself or anything like that. So the number one thing, like I said, just things to help us realize we're not alone. I think Father Mike Schmitz has an awesome book, uh, about this same-sex attractions. There's another uh, book that I found to be really helpful called Why I Don't Call Myself Gay. I know the title's kind of cheeky, but I think that it's, it's uh, yeah, wow, you read my mind. <laughs> yeah, but in, in, the, in, that, in, that, in that Why I Don't Call Myself I, I have both of those books and they're both really good. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a chapter in there about friendship. And I remember, you know, there's a, the testimony is great, but that chapter about friendship really riveted me. Yes, yes, things about friendship. Um, because that's when I realized that I was lacking in holy friendship. And so I understand the, the need to, um, to explore ways that will help us grow in holy friendship. The first thing I had to do is I had to kind of uh, identify as best I could uh, good men who, who love Jesus. That's the first broad thing. Well, that's a no brainer, of course, but what does that look like? Right. And so it wasn't just a matter of doing like finding guys that did Catholic looking thing. Cause we, unfortunately we know there's, there's a lot of people who did Catholic looking things, but did a lot of bad things. Right. So, so the, the virtue of chastity um, is kind of a, uh, um, revealed in outward expressions, but it is also hidden. It's not just revealed by those outward expressions. Um, and so finding people who, who were growing in the language of chastity and they knew the language surrounding virtue and they weren't just thinking that sin was something that uh, didn't feel good. They, they were pursuing a deeper understanding, those sorts of things. They, and you know, they challenged me um, in ways that would make me uh, sharper or uh, I had to rethink my thoughts and, and continue to grow. And, and those were helpful because good men help raise good men. Right. And so the guys that were, you know, kind of ho-hum, like, you know, nothing to do with uh, helping me become a better person. Those are the guys that I kind of gravitated away from a bit, although God bless them all. But the ones that I found to be most helpful for me to grow in good, healthy friendships were the ones that were trying to be better, uh, trying to become uh, better equipped in the, in the realm of virtue and prayer themselves. Hope that makes sense. Yeah, it did. And so just to give some of those resources out, one book on friendship to grow in healthy friendships is called The Feast of Friendship by Paul D. O'Callaghan. Another book is called The Art of Being a Good Friend, How to Bring Out the Best in Your Friends and in Yourself by Hugh Black, a book by a person who experiences same-sex attraction um, and wrote about his testimony um, is Why I Don't Call Myself Gay, How I Reclaim My Sexual Reality and Found Peace by Daniel Matson. And the resource from Father Mike Schmitz is called Made for Love, Same Sense Attraction in the Catholic Church. So I would definitely recommend those four books. In addition to those, I would encourage you 
to, uh, to, to apply the steps of Lex Divina to the sacred scriptures. The best book of all is the Bible. Let Jesus speak to you. Let him speak his word to you. And let, like, I think sometimes we oftentimes listen to the world um, more than we listen to the word of God. And if I'm immersing myself in the world, I'm going to begin to think with the mind of the world and I'm going to feel with the heart of the world and see through the lens of the world. But if I immerse myself more in the presence of Jesus in adoration and in the scriptures and in the catechism of the Catholic church, then I'm going to begin to really put on the mind of Christ and I'll begin to discern everything through that lens. And again, I just uh, would also encourage you, um, Anonymous, to get plugged in with uh, the Courage Apostolate. It's a beautiful apostolate and, uh, and they also have a, an apostolate for your family members um, called Encourage as well. And so um, I think that those are some, some resources. Um, and again, with, with Hudson's testimony about his experience of just having healthy friendships uh, those can help. My final point would be that to have healthy same-sex friendships, um, I would say, I would give you the same advice I would give a person who is asking me how to have healthy opposite-sex friendships. Um, if you were a married man and you were having a very close friendship with a woman at work, I would encourage you to share your chicken nuggets with her and withhold your barbecue sauce. Um, because the bottom line is if you're straight and she's straight, uh, you don't want to go too deep with her because an emotional connection will lead to something else potentially later. So if you know you have same-sex attraction and you're attracted to guys or if you're a girl who's attracted to girls, um, and then I would encourage you to just have some healthy boundaries. There are some things that are meant to be shared with God, with your confessor, with your spiritual director, um, potentially with a close friend, as long as there's not the um, potential for, for there to be um, a, an occasion of you saying something that could... Um, could potentially put that other person in a place where they might respond in a way that's not healthy for you or for them. So I would just encourage prudence as well with, with all relationships. Um, and so, I mean, does that make sense to you, Hudson? Oh, totally. Totally. And that, that idea of like discovering what true friendship really is, is so important. I, I, I began to read only about friendship, like starting with Dan's book and then another book like last year only, I think it like actually re- like, was you could say my like like life-changing or like mind-blowing at the same time and that was just like six seven months ago i finished reading another book about friendship and every time i i i come to realize that this is what i want and this is what i didn't have and and everybody can have it if we put jesus christ first and and uh listen to the wisdom of people who've been there before us to to understand friendship on a whole new level Holy friendships. I mean, as so, as someone who, as a priest, I'm a chaste celibate, right? Um, the, and friendships mean the world to me. You know, I have a few solid, good friendships, um, and those friendships have brought so much joy to my life. Um, they've helped me to grow closer to the love of my life, Jesus Christ, to make a gift of myself to my bride, the church, uh, the people that I serve, that I die for, hopefully daily. Uh, and so, yeah, we can't. I, I think that's the one thing that's been missing in our culture today um, is what does it mean to be a good, holy, healthy friend? And I think if we could begin to bring that to the conversation, then we can save a lot of people from a lot of unnecessary pain and shame and hurts and wounds that can come from entering into relationships that we were not created to enter into that only bring about ultimately misery um, whenever we go deep down inside and cannot bring about authentic joy. Father Josh, I've had somebody, one man told me one time that he, uh, his whole life, he was, was led to believe that he was gay, was who he was. And after reflecting upon friendship and the idea of a person's mindset being separate from their attractions, because once the attractions aren't chosen, right? But how we, what we, what we say we are up here, that's a choice. He was meditating and praying on these things. And he realized, he said to me, all these years, I thought I was gay. 
I, I can see now very clearly all I was looking for was true friendship. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, praise God. So anonymous, let us know if, if that is helpful for you. Um, if you struggle with some of that, let me know. I want to continue to walk with you. I want to accompany you. Um, and so uh, hit me up at askfatherjosh at assistionpress.com so we can continue to walk with each other toward eternity. We are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will dive into our final question about pornography. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we are back. Back. Just a quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at AskFatherJosh at EssentialPress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and you can share us on your social media pages. This helps other people to find out about the show. Again, if it's been a gift for you, potentially it can become a gift for other people as well. Uh, so final question comes again from a person by the name of Anonymous, writes this. Hey, Father Josh, what role does pornography play in our sexuality? How does one overcome a struggle with pornography? And do you recommend any resources? Shall I start? Or should you, you, can, you can start, Hussin. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, one of the most riveting studies that I read about had to do, uh, no, it was a statement from a bunch of doctors to the United States Senate, actually. And the link is out there online somewhere talking about how the use of the exposure to online pornography uh, for uh, 0.3 seconds was enough to create a new cluster of brain cells. And I'm thinking, well, I've watched a lot more than 0.3 seconds of online porn in my life, right? So I'm like, what kind of impact did that have on my brain? Mm. That's kind of a scary thought, but it's like, well, wait a second. We know that God created our brains to be efficient and, and the highways that we build neurologically are strengthened or weakened depending on how we use them, right? And so that was the good news. And so the good news was realizing that through my choices, because choices, well, here's the thing, like our brain is the, is, is the central organ in our body to do with desire and appetite, appetite, not necessarily drive but appetite. And so my particular appetites for anything, for relationships or for foods or for whatever, that's up here. And so neurologically, I have to make considerations for the impact of my decisions on the environment that's between my ears. In fact, check this out. It was actually a gay activist who said to me, uh, and after a seminar, he said, environment plays a factor in the development of our attractions. So when a gay activist tells you that, you have to like, you know, you dig into it a little bit. And so neurologically speaking, you learn about the impact of pornography, but then you also learn about neurology and how things can be unwritten uh, over time, over time and lots of effort, because it takes a lot of effort to not fall back into porn. Like I was exposed to porn at nine years old, right? Uh, by 11 years old, I was saying I'm gay because the girls on the page aren't attractive to, attractive to me anymore. 
right? And so by 11, I was walking through these ideas that I was the gay person feeling very different, isolating myself, Mm. not being able to relate healthily because of the one-way communication that happens when you're using porn, you know, Mm -hmm. you become less able to communicate effectively. All of those things and the shame that comes out of that feeling like, oh, there's shame in that and feeling that, but all of that stuff that keeps us down, it keeps us less than what God has authored us to be in our fulfillment, right? Um, we have to be very intentional about how to step past that. So it's not just a matter of just, oh, I'm just going to choose to be chaste and holy one day. We we know that that will be good in, in fending off temptations from the, the evil one and, 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 and the demonic realm. But we also know that there is an actual neurological uh, rewiring that has happened and it will take actual neurological rewiring to undo that. And so that's where the, the decisions for us to, to, to make choices that will either strengthen particular desires or weaken particular desires. That's where it comes to us and our supportive community. Cause no one can do that by themselves, you know? And I would also say to us and with that, um, I was speaking with an exorcist recently about pornography and, and one of the things that, that he brought to my attention that I think is important for me to share with, with the viewers is that like a lot of people who are into witchcraft and um, who are into worshiping Satan, they, they work in the pornography industry and they put curses on some of those porn films. And so you might think, hey, look, it's not a big deal. I mean, I know like it's not a good thing. It's grave. It's definitely grave matter or whatever. But like I can go to confession for it. But you don't realize that, any, that when you're watching pornography, you could also be opening yourself up to a curse that you have entered into a contract with Satan. And then so all of a sudden now you're oppressed in all these, these, these different ways that you didn't expect to be oppressed in because you allowed yourself to watch something that was cursed. Um, and so I would encourage people to, to be aware that there also is a spiritual realm. There's a spiritual warfare going on. Satan is real. And so, yeah, there's a lot of psychological effects, neurological, emotional um, handicaps that can happen whenever people look at pornography. But there's also there's a spiritual attack that we open ourselves up to anytime, anytime. We, we view images or videos um, that we should not be doing. Totally, totally. And there is a, there's a lot of dark places down those roads. Um, what I wanted to say is uh, it, the analogy of the garden, right? I remember at the beginning when I was trying to fight porn, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to not do porn, right? And of course, then all you're thinking about is not doing porn, which means you're really thinking about porn and all the porn you're not going to do. And so what I had to learn was the very like seemingly basic principle that if you're weeding a garden, you don't just take the weeds out. You have to plant new good things. Right. And it's like, that's how gardens work. Yeah. And virtue. Exactly. And, and holy, uh, uh, just the pursuit of holy desires. And, and my favorite thing to do is I pray the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary, uh, daily. Uh, I might miss a day here and there, but like just meditating upon the truth of what happened to our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, uh, what happened to him and how we can enter into his wounds. Uh, the devil doesn't like that. The devil doesn't like when we enter into the wounds of Christ for protection, but truly that is where we need to enter into it. Right. But one priest, he told me once, he's like, look, you, you know, uh, we know that um, the, the Satan's is doing machine guns at you here. Sometimes all you can muster in between those machine gun bullets is just the holy name of Jesus. You know, if that's what you need to do, do it. Jesus, 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 you know, and um, I found that to be helpful too, but the, the pinnacle, or not the pinnacle, but a very far, powerful weapon, I guess, is, is entering into the Holy Rosary yeah. often. 
And I love the fact that you mentioned the Sorrowful Mysteries specifically, because even whenever I can encourage people who pray the rosary and the Sorrowful Mysteries who struggle with uh, masturbation and pornography is to place yourself in the physical position of being crucified, like literally hold your arms out as you're praying the rosary. Um, There's not, not only are you entering into the passion of Christ whenever you do this, but there's also a practical gift. If your hands are up here on the cross, then where are they not at, right? So um, they're not touching yourself. And so there's a practical aspect also of entering into the passion of Christ through the recitation of the rosary. So that's spiritually, that is certainly one thing that you could do. The confessional is another thing I always encourage people because you get graces. Every time you go to confession, you not only are forgiven of your sins, absolved of your sins, but you get supernatural graces. Having a good spiritual director, if there's one available, but um, and going to mass as often as possible. Fasting, fasting from um, uh, good things, fast from certain foods. If you fast from pleasure and other areas of life, then it's easier to deny yourself pleasure and some things that are not healthy um, as well. Getting covenant eyes, getting accountability partners, blocking websites uh, that you typically would go on and having someone have total access to what you look at. And then, but not limiting it to that, but getting a counselor. I mean, again, pornography has messed up your brain. And so you probably need a counselor. You might even need to go to SA meetings, Sexaholics Anonymous. There are many dioceses across our nation who have these, these meetings. Call your diocese and ask your diocese where they're at and they will get you plugged into an SA meeting. Just like if you're an alcoholic, you can't do it by yourself. If you're a sexaholic and if you are, if you, if you masturbate multiple times throughout the year, like say, say if you go January, then you're free until like March, you fall in March, then you're free until like June, then you're free until like September. I would say you're probably an addict. I'm not going to diagnose you because I'm not a doctor, but walking and working with doctors, I would say there's a good chance you probably are addicted, even if it's just one fall every few months. So get plugged into counseling support group meetings, essay meetings, and then potentially even open yourself up to inpatient or outpatient um, uh, treatment because God wants you to find freedom. But typically whenever God frees us and liberates us from addictions and vices and bad habits, it's not just from, for some people, it's one confession, you're done. For most people, it's confession, spiritual direction, prayer, sacrament, sacrifice, fasting, group support groups, and everything else, uh, all of the above, not either or. I think many people want the either or approach, just give me this or that. Typically for people who find freedom, if if they find freedom on earth, some find freedom in heaven um, but uh, through purgatory. But if you find freedom on earth, most likely it's because you've done all of the above. Yes, yes, totally. And I would add also that it is possible that we have to remain hopeful that God can provide us with the grace for us to, with his grace, withstand the temptation. And and even sometimes he prevents us from even having the temptation and being like protected from temptation. I remember there was a stint of over 18 months where uh, I, I didn't even experience a mere temptation to pornography. And I know there's a story behind that, but I, I, I know that it's possible for God to protect people from temptation, but at the same time, I, know, I have to be realistic with this being part of my history, that the devil is always around the corner and those corners are around every corner as well. And, and so I just got to be realistic. Like that's the story. That's part of the story of my life. And I have to move forward with that because there's no way for me to go back to the pre-pornography addiction mm-hmm. brain. I can't. It's not yeah. physically possible. Um, one other thing I just want to mention real quick. I've talked to people who struggle with uh, porn addiction who who have lost hope in thinking that they could ever be able to experience a holy sexual relationship with a future spouse. And I wanted to say a word of assurance is that um, even if uh, pornography addiction is a part of our history, that that as long as we keep fixated on the Lord and and going to him first and 
And sometimes having those arms out during, you know, uh, while we're praying, and I've, I've done that, by the way, what you said, I did that once. And it was, God was at work in that moment. Praise God. <laughs> it was awesome. I recommend anybody to try it. Yeah, just do try it. it. Like, if you struggle, just try it. I, the the Lord's graces are a problem. Yeah. And uh, so I want I want I want people to know that like it's not beyond God's power for to allow you who are seeking the fullness of virtue, open to growing in chastity and holiness, to in your future marital embrace after marriage, to provide you with that holy, beautiful sexual relationship that uh that you know people talk about in the chastity books and stuff like that mm-hmm. is that is for you if yeah. marriage is your vocation even if pornography or something dark like that has been part of your past it's it, it's for you such as long as you keep pouring your heart out to jesus in in the in, in pursuing that virtue of chastity it is possible it is possible and i'll, I'll just one last thing to, or two <laughs> i can't i'm all over the place two last things uh one is recognize the near occasions of sin for you. So also, in addition to everything we've mentioned, um, start to examine what precedes a fall. What what precedes? Is it, do I feel rejected? Do I feel abandoned? Am I tired? Am I lonely? Am I depressed? Um, is it a song? Is it a, is it a smell? Is it a sight? Is it a place, space, whatever? Th- that could be neutral, but for you, it might be bad. So find out if there is something that typically precedes the fall. Um, and if the fall ha- happens at a certain time, then that's when you should increase your prayer. So it's like, like it's, it's a battle. So pray more when you know you're going to be prone to an attack. And then also another thing too, because there's a spiritual warfare component to this as well. It's also sometimes um, deliverance ministry can also be a gift in addition to all of the above, like not as in, I'm just going to go get some healing deliverance ministry and I'm good. No, like all of the above um, is the typically most balanced approach. Um, so yeah. yeah. That's yes, <laughs> yes, yes. There's one more thing too that I wanted. It might connect to a previous question there. For me, one of the best things that helped me, uh, like, reduce those temptations is cooperating, you know, as much as I can with God and whatever. Is uh, was just the development of healthy holy friendships. And yeah, bring it back there. Mm-hmm. That's it. Went right back to the holy friendships and realizing that yes, I I do belong in God's kingdom. I do belong with these brothers of mine. I do belong. I I, I don't have to despair. God's friends, how many of us have them to friends? Remember that song? Do you remember that? Is that before your day? I know no. the song, but I'm, I'm going with it. <laughs> Hudson, oh man, my brother, you God, you are, you are, you are God's, but there you go. See, I mean, he, you can't see Hudson. He's dancing right now. So that's, that's enough. All right. It's cool. You know, uh, anyways, look, Hudson, it's been such a great gift to have you on the show. Uh, that's all for our time today. But if you want to hear more of Hudson and his testimony, um, and walk with him toward eternity, then we at Ascension will be releasing um, his full testimony this week. And so stay tuned for that. Uh, I believe we're releasing that on Thursday. And uh, and, and Hudson, I, I just I have to say, it's been such a gift to have you on the show, brother. Oh, man. I, it's such an honor to be here. It's been such fun. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we entrust uh, the rest of our lives uh, and our vocations to to your beloved daughter, our mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless y'all, and I cannot wait to continue to walk with each and every single one of you toward the kingdom of heaven in our walk toward eternity. God bless. God bless. 